Hayden Carlo has been struggling to support his wife and two children. You get paid, pay your bills, there's your money, it's gone. It didn't help when the Wiley man was recently pulled over by Plano police for an expired registration sticker. Now I said there's, there's no explanation for why I haven't done it except for the, that I, I don't have the money. I said it was either feed my kids or get this registration done. The officer wrote a citation and handed it to the 25-year-old. Opened it up and there's a $100 bill. I was like, I broke down in my car. What else do you do? You know? The officer never told anyone about the $100 gift. He, he, he felt that this young man needed it more than him and it was just the right thing to do. Carlo was able to update not only the registration on his car with the money, but also his wife's. Now driving to a new job and providing for his growing family after a gift from the last person in the world he expected one from during tough times. He helped me out when I needed it and I appreciate that. I'll never forget that. The holidays are a time when people remember. We recall unique experiences with family and friends. We remember unexpected gifts, both good and bad. And there are those memories that may cause us to long for what no longer is. There is wisdom to be gained from memories. Let us explore the wisdom we can receive from the memories of the story of the birth of Christ. So we are in a message series called The Giver, Wisdom from Memories. The Giver is a book by Lois Lowry, and it came out on as a movie back this summer, and now it is out on DVD. I invite you to watch the movie It is or read the book. It is a powerful, powerful book about a society in which there is no pain, uh, no emotion, no deep-wrenching bad things happen, but also they don't get to experience the good and the joy that comes with life. And so this season of Advent, Advent means waiting, we're getting ready for Christmas. This season, we are looking at what it means to gain wisdom from our memories. And so this morning, we are going to think about unexpected gifts. If you're worshiping with us online, we extend a very special welcome to you. And we also want to let you know that in a little while we're going to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. So if you are worshiping with us at home, we invite you to get some juice and some bread and you can participate in the sacrament with us as well. Uh, We're going to show you three pictures here in just a second and we're going to let you guess what these are. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Uh, What is the most unexpected gift you have ever received? I want you to think about that for just a second. What's the most unexpected gift you've ever received? Now I want to show you a picture of a couple of gifts that you perhaps could receive at Christmas time. What do you think this is? The Pooh and Tigger too. Uh, Next gift. It's a tie. Very good. And what is that? 
love my carpet deodorizer. That's exactly right. Um, before I tell you what those gifts are, I need to talk to the technical people. The stage has disappeared. It was a fire hazard for the school, so they tore it down. And I know that my standing in certain places is important. Um, am I standing where I need to stand? Okay, good, because I feel like I'm going to fall off here in a minute, and it is causing me great anxiety. I've got to let you know. I have some height fears or something, but um, Brad, can I back up at all? Oh, good, okay. Good, I feel so much better now. There's like a comfort zone up there. All right, anyway. Now, you just saw three pictures. You saw Winnie the Pooh, you saw a tie, and you saw some Love My Carpet. Now, what those looked like on the screen and what they are in reality are two very different things. You see Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, they were a nanny cam. Do you know what that is? You put a camera inside of something, and it's like a a decoy, and you can see what's going on around, but the people that are being filmed have absolutely no idea that you're watching them. The same was true for the tie. It was like a spy gadget. There was a, a camera installed in the tie, so if you were a fancy spy like James Bond, you could wear the tie, and people would not know that you were filming them. And then the final thing, the Love My Carpet sanitizer, that was a safe You know, who would think to go steal the Love My Carpet? I mean, you know, you take the lid off and you can put your money, your cash, and your important documents down in that, and you could thwart the thieves. Those gifts were not what they seemed. And this morning we are going to talk about the ultimate gift from the giver of God, and that that gift was not what people thought that it should be or what it was. And then now, 2,000 years later, what do we do with that? In this message series, we are reading different passages other than the normal Christmas story, and we're doing that on purpose. You see, we can hear the, and it came to pass in those days in the town, and we can talk about Caesar Augustus and all those things, and they went to be taxed. That's a story that's somewhat familiar, but there's so much more to the Christmas story that perhaps we don't, we don't think about and we don't see. So this morning, I wanted to read to you from the book of John. It is John chapter 1, and I'm going to read the part where Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. Now, I want you to bear with me just a minute. You may think, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Christmas is the time that we get ready to celebrate his birth. And so you're reading a passage of scripture where he's calling some of the first disciples. Yes, I am. Because you see, there is a part of this passage that goes back to the memories of who Jesus was. And then what they learned from that. And the same thing that I think we can learn today. Jesus had been in the early part of, in the early days of his ministry, and he was traveling from place to place. And so the next day, Jesus decided to go to the town of Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. We found him, Jesus, son of Joseph, 
from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So Jesus is in the very early stages of his public ministry, and so he goes and he gets ready to call these two guys to come to him. And so Philip and Nathaniel, they're hanging out, and Jesus calls. Hey, come with me. Now, Nathaniel thinks, really? Him? He is the Messiah? He is the Christ? Now, remember, the titles, the Christ and the Messiah, those were priestly, kingly titles that those who were going to be in reign and in power and in control, they would have. Those were not titles that were only used for the person Jesus. They were historical, political titles that people would carry. So here's Jesus, and Philip is saying to Nathaniel, look, this is it. He's the God that we've heard about for so many hundreds of years. Remember, the prophets had foretold of a Messiah's coming, someone that would come and redeem them, someone that would come and offer salvation. And the word salvation, this is important, the word salvation means deliverance from. So this morning, we're actually going to answer the question, deliverance from what and deliverance to what? And that's going to be the answer to the unexpected gift. But before we get to that, they were talking, and so Philip's telling Nathaniel, he's the one, he's the man, he's going to offer us salvation, he's going to offer us deliverance, all the people. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph, of Nazareth. And then there's this question. Really? Him? Out of Nazareth? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That's the hook sentence for this morning. You see, Jesus did not come as a Messiah as the Christ, in a way that anybody would expect. He was the ultimate unexpected gift. He comes and, you know, the city that he came from, it was not Jerusalem. He was not born right outside the temple gates. He was not born into royalty. 
other than, as we saw last week, several generations down from the lineage of King David, he was born to a young girl who lived in a town that did not make any of the first century maps. In fact, in our realm of understanding, it would be considered nowhere. I was born in Durham, North Carolina, and Roxboro, North Carolina, is about 30 miles north of Durham. And then when my dad and I moved, uh, after my mom died, we moved to a town called Granite Falls. Well, now, while I lived there, it was in between Hickory and Lenore, but while I lived at Granite, in Granite Falls, the metropolis within the city limits of Granite Falls decided that it was going to incorporate and it was going to become a town. It was a big deal. We had a fire station and a stoplight. And so the government officials decided that this place that we lived in was going to become a legit town. And so we incorporated. The town's name was Sawmills. Now, I invite you to begin a new chapter in your life's journey like I did. I went to college, and, you know, in the first day of class, you'd have to go around the room, and you had to tell your name and where you were from. So I would say, well, my name is Andrea Smith, and I am from Sawmills. And their heads would jerk. You're from where? Sawmills. And they would just sort of chuckle. And then later on, there would be some jokes. Sawmills? What kind of city is Sawmills? Where is that? I've never heard of it. Now I'm proud to say there is a little sign. If you go to Boone, if you go to Appalachian on 321, you can actually see a sign, and it says Sawmills. But back then, that carried absolutely nothing other than some jokes attached to it. That would have been the equivalent of Nazareth. It was nowhere. And that's where this Jesus was from. So he's going and he's starting in his ministry and he's inviting people to come with him. And and one guy thinks, okay, this is it. This is the the one that's going to redeem us. This is the one that's going to offer us hope. Because remember, they were a persecuted people. Their city had been destroyed. They had been in captivity for so long. And they were waiting on hope. How often in our lives are we waiting on hope? How often in our lives today do we want the day to be better than the day before? How often in our lives are we looking for something with meaning? How often today do we just want to be able to have some peace? And how often today do we want our world to be a place of peace. You see, the people that had studied and followed God, they knew that some Messiah was going to come and bring all those things, bring peace, bring hope, bring joy. And so when someone would claim to be the Messiah, it was a big deal. And so I can imagine that Nathaniel's interest was piqued. Hmm, the Messiah, this is it? And so then Jesus enters into a dialogue with them. 
And he goes, oh, you've, you are the son of God. Hmm. Now, it's interesting if you look at how this passage ends. Jesus asked him, do you believe what you believe because I saw you sitting here and I called to you? If that's the case, you're going to see so much more. And then Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Throughout the Gospel of John and a couple of other places in the New Testament, when you find the words, very truly I tell you, or very truly I say to you, if you look at the Greek translation, it means what I'm getting ready to tell you, it's a big deal, so just listen. Just listen and just see. I want you to see. And then Jesus references what it's all about. Jesus references the biggest and the best unexpected gift we could ever get. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God. You will see heaven opened. On Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, James Lindsay, who was a part of the West community here, uh, went to be at one with God. He had been in the hospital for over a week, and I had had several opportunities to go and spend time with the family. On Wednesday afternoon, as I was walking out of the hospital, Paul, his son, who plays in our worship team, they were talking about how long they had lived here in Mooresville, and we had joked that uh, Mr. Lindsay had built the house on bricks and mortar and Pap's Blue Ribbon beer. He laid the brick himself, and they lived here. They built their, they built their home. They built their lives within those walls and then outside of those walls with their friends and their family. They were talking about how you would never be surprised to come over and just find a whole, find a whole slew of people. It's just how they did things. They said it was business up front, but a party out back because they loved being together. As we were walking down the steps, Paul said, you know, my life here has been heaven. Now, I have to tell you, as a pastor, when you hear someone walking away from their dad's unexpected death, and they say words like, my life here has been heaven. It's one of those rare moments that it all comes together. 
because he gets it. Paul Lindsay gets it. And we have the opportunity to get it. But we have to choose to see. We have to choose to see what the gift really is. And far too often, we look only at the surface, just like the Winnie the Pooh picture that I showed you at the beginning or the tie or the carpet deodorizer. We see one thing, but it's really so much more. The gift that we received in the person of Jesus Christ is that kind of gift. What we see is one thing. But if we look within and we take away our preconceived ideas and our preconceived human notions, we can see so much more. Jesus came and he taught about heaven. The first words that we hear when he began his public ministry was, I want you to repent For the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means to turn, to change. Repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now listen in this passage. Right after Philip shares with Nathaniel and Nathaniel comes back with, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This know-nothing place, Jesus answers. And somehow in that exchange, Nathaniel gets it. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah or the Christ. And he's revealing to them the gift, the gift of heaven. If you've ever read uh, Dante, it's an interesting book. Now, I could summarize it in Andrea Smith language, but you would miss out on something. I want to read you this brief passage by Richard Rohr. He's an Anglican priest, and he is a brilliant modern-day theologian. He said, in his book, Inventing Hell, John Sweeney blames the modern Christian view of hell on Dante. The imagery that has influenced the Western psyche for 800 years is not the imagery of the Bible, but of Dante's divine comedy. It's great Italian poetry, but not always excellent theology. It portrays a threatening God, not an inviting, alluring, or revealing God. We have been preconditioned by an unbiblical storyline. Do you know that the word hell is not mentioned in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible? And nor does Paul or John ever use the word hell. We live in a world, in a society where westernized Christianity lives out of fear of what is yet to come. And the whole purpose for me of Christmas and the birth of that baby was to give us a glimpse of the most beautiful, unexpected gift 
The gift that says it's here and it's now and it is also yet to come. Quit living your life thinking about what's going to happen when you die. And for goodness sake, quit living life worried about where you're going to end up in heaven or in hell. Because that is not what it all means. Paul Lindsay got what it means. Because you see, when Jesus says, there are going to be so many things that are revealed to you, he meant then, if you just watch me. And so then we can, we can look at the stories that we have of this man. And what did he do? He lived in connection and he lived in community with one another and with God. And he lived to give himself away, which ultimately he did. And because he did that, he gave us this gift. This gift that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to fear death. This gift that even in the midst of the worst circumstances possible, we can have those things that I mentioned earlier. We can have joy and we can have hope and we can have peace. We just have to choose to see. So many times we are so busy trying to earn our way into heaven or keep our way out of hell that we miss out on life. Yesterday was the most beautiful celebration of life services that I can remember in a long time. And you know what I realized this morning as I got here uh, and I mentioned to Adam, I said, I don't think we sang a single religious song. We walked into Jimmy Buffett. But it was powerful. Because you see, Mr. Lindsay James understood that Life was to be lived right here, right now. Not trying to earn some level, but to embrace each day. As a gift given to us from God. And God is love. And then we are called to live in that love and then give it away. And that is the meaning And the message of the Christmas season. So what wisdom can you gain from your memories? We can look back at the person of Jesus Christ and gain much wisdom from how he lived and how he loved. But what wisdom can we gain from our memories of our lives? And then how can we be different? Tomorrow when you wake up and you have a gift of a new day, if we have that gift, what are you going to do with it? And are you going to really see? It involves change on our part. I want you to take a look at the picture that's on the screen right now. And I want you to see if you can figure out why this would be my best unexpected gift. It's a picture of the Smith Christmas tree this year. Now, this is a big deal because I live with the Grinch, 
the Grinch Jr., and the Grinch S. They own it, they embrace it, and I deal with it. I want to show you one other picture, uh, a Christmas previously. Now, Andrew and Lane are not standing on any kind of stool. It's a dwarf Christmas tree. It was very large around, but seriously, I was as tall as the tree. They don't really like to decorate for Christmas. In fact, the only reason that there are ornaments on that tree is because a friend of mine got a key to my house, found out where the ornaments were, and one Sunday after church, knowing that we had stuff to do, she went and decorated the tree for us, or for me, as a gift. Because you see, ever since Wes started and I became like the pastor, I really have just not quite gotten around to getting the ornaments on the tree. I keep thinking I'm going to do it, and then it just never happens. Well, this year, I drug Lane and her significant other. That was the only bribery tactic I could have with me Black Friday shopping. We left late on Thursday night and went and had a good time. And we got back. It was like 2 a.m. And she goes, what are all those lights? She goes, I guess they left the lights on for us. That was nice. And I thought, that's a lot of light. And then she goes, those are Christmas lights. Now, I had not put up any Christmas lights prior to going Black Friday shopping. I said, Lane, you're, you're, you're mistaken. There's no way there's Christmas lights up. And she goes, no, there is. Mama, there's a tree. I thought, the only thing I can think of is that perhaps Scott has been saving like an artificial tree and he brought it in so we wouldn't, you know, like have to deal with all the Christmas decoration. And we walked in. And the picture that you saw right before this one, this tree, this big tree, not like an Andrea-sized tree, but a big tree, the most beautiful tree was there with lights. I was so excited. It was the best unexpected gift ever. It didn't cost a lot. It didn't have to have diamonds attached to it. Although, wherever you are, Scott, those are always good. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know what? They got it. They got what meant a lot to me. And they went and they did it. That's what Jesus did. He knew what the world needed. The world needed hope. The world needed joy. And the world needed peace. And so he brought it. And so each time he turned the other cheek. And each time he said, You give to the least of these. And each time he took all that he had, which was not a lot, physically, and he gave it away. And each time he said, come follow me, he gave those things. And as I shared yesterday in the celebration of life service with Mr. Lindsay, 
right before he knew that his life here was going to come to an end, he gave them a gift. It was unexpected at the time because they had no idea what was getting ready to happen, but he did. And so he took a meal that was a part of their memory, the Passover meal. They were familiar with this. It was a meal they, their ancestors had been a part of for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he said, after he gave thanks to God for the bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body. And this is broken for you. And when you eat it, I want you to remember me. And then he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God for the cup and said, This is my blood shed for you. This is my blood of the new covenant. And it is offered for you and for all for forgiveness of sin. And every time you drink of this, I want you to drink it in remembrance of me. He gave them a gift. A gift that he also gives you and me. Sin is anything that separates us from love. That's all. It's not a laundry list of don'ts. It's the things that we allow to get in the way of us having joy and hope and peace. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Heaven when we live in the fullness of God and hope and joy and peace. So this morning as we participate in the sacrament of communion, in the season of Christmas, I would invite you to remember that these are gifts that we have been given by an amazing God who revealed to us his love through the person of Jesus Christ who loved us so much that he showed us that the way to have true life is to give it all away. That's the best gift of all. You don't have to be a member or a professing Christian. There are no rules around the communion table other than you just come with your hands and Uh, we ask that you cup them together open because it is a gift that we receive. Then you take the bread and you dip it in the cup and just offer yourself to God. God meets us where we are. And God can take us and show us each minute of every day, no matter how dark, he can show us heaven. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you pour out your spirit on this bread and this cup? Make it be for us your body. And make it be for us your sacrifice for each of us. The best gift of all. We remember and we learn from our memories.
In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.